Thank you, John. Yes, I am. Uh, to be clear, I am not. I've not worked with AI nearly as much as John has or thought about it to any degree as much as John has um, or Jay has for that matter, um, or many of you have probably. It's not my field of expertise and also I feel convicted by that question. So that picture I did not create on my own, okay? I typed that into chat or to Canva, the AI generator and their images and it popped that out and I'm like, all right. Basically typing in, create me a picture of yourself, which is kind of just a weird thing. Um, all right, so my expertise is obviously more in biblical theology and understanding how the Bible applies to our life and as we transform, uh, as the culture and the world transforms, how scripture applies to that. So that's what I wanna focus on here. Um, but let's pray and then I'll start. Lord, would you just guide, guide our time? Thank you, Lord, for the thoughtfulness that has already been represented here. Thank you, Lord, for everybody here, everybody listening to this online, everybody, Lord, who is engaging this in a thoughtful way. Lord, I pray that your spirit would guide us, that you would lead us. Lord, as this new technology comes in and as all of this uh, world is changing so rapidly, Lord, may we just return to the core, the foundational truth that we desperately need you. That, Lord, we... When we don't know what to do, it often reminds us of how desperate we are for you, and that's not a bad place to be. We're desperate for you every day, whether we know it or not. Uh, you're, you're the one who provides the breath that we breathe. Lord, you, by your grace and mercy, grant us each moment of our life. We're desperately in need of you every moment. May this just point us back to that truth even more so, and point us to trust in you more and more. In Jesus' name, amen. What I want to do is talk through some biblical constants in a changing world. Um, so much of what I've found in pastoral ministry is not so much me being like, uh, it's not so much my ingenuity. Ecclesiastes talks about how there's no, nothing new under the sun and how a lot of the new issues, so we tend to freak out about the new things that come out. AI is a new thing, right? Uh, built on a lot of other things throughout uh, the, since computing came about. Even computing was built on other ideas that came about. So that gets you to the like, theory of ingenuity and all that, whatever. I'm not going there. Um, but what I've found is that these biblical truths, these foundational biblical truths, in most of the counseling and the conversations that I have, I find it so much more helpful to just like zoom out, get the big picture, and just make those the main thing. <laughs> that whenever this new thing comes up, we, we tend to focus so much energy and effort on that and we fail to see that nothing is new under the sun, right? That God, these foundational truths that God has revealed in scripture apply to this the same as it applies to other things. It's just packaged different, but it's gonna, it's gonna look a little bit different, but the same truth is still the same truth. So what we're gonna talk about is God's authority um, and the virtue that is associated with God's authority, we're describing it as wisdom, okay? Faithful presence and the virtue associated with that is love. And then God's sovereignty and the virtue associated with that is faith and hope. Okay, So these are things we talk about in church all the time. We just need to take these and apply them to this new scenario in this changing world with AI. Because I think the church has a real opportunity in all of these things. So what we're going to do in each of these categories is talk about what opportunities do we have as a church to represent these foundational principles and virtues in this changing culture. Okay. We have a real missional chant, real missional opportunity here as the church, as has already been expressed. But we have to have thought through this deeply and really commune with God to know and to live it because it's really hard to live it when your job is on the line, right? It's really hard to live with a calm presence when you don't know if you're gonna have income tomorrow. Right? These are hard questions that we're gonna to have to ask ourselves and to work through, but we can because of these biblical truths and foundational principles. So on God's authority, we're gonna talk about what opportunities do we have, what does scripture have to say, and then how can we apply it? Okay, so again, if you know my wife, like this is, this is definitely hers. Um, so you see, the <laughs> it's one of her favorite memes, okay? Which says, mom, it's just a cough. Doctor, it's just a cough. Me, it's just a cough. And then you start Googling it and okay, get, in, get into the casket. Like you're gonna die. If you've ever had this experience on WebMD, right? Like you go in, you start Googling stuff. You're like, it's a cough. And you're like, 
oh man, I might have tuberculosis, right? Like, I think I'm gonna die tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> so this is nothing new, right? It's nothing new about information, truth. God's authority is how we're packaging this, but truth and authority are very closely linked. We've already talked about how campaign interference and political races, Jay has already mentioned that that's a thing. Uh, deep fakes are a thing, Misin misinformed medical recommendations. One article I was reading was talking about, so the extent of my experience in this is just reading some free articles online and playing with uh, chat GPT on my own. Uh, I read an article by a um, nutritionist who said she spends like half of her sessions just like undoing the work that the TikTok guy said. <laughs> and we all know the guy that she's referencing, right? The TikTok dude who's super buff and like tells you all of the, what you should be eating. And then in a few episodes later, he'll tell you, actually, you can eat that because he doesn't care. He's just trying to make money, right? He's just trying to get you to click on this TikTok thing. So she spends so much time undoing that because he's not a real authority on this issue. He's acting like one. The nutritionist is an authority on this issue, right? So this is a problem that we've already had in our culture that we, is going to get exacerbated with AI, is the issue of authority. Who, can, who has authority to speak on these issues? Who has trust, my trust, to speak on these issues? Ultimately, it comes down to God's authority. And what I keep coming back to is Genesis when these, in these conversations around what does it mean to be human? which AI is bringing about that conversation again of what does it mean that I am a human? What are the things that only I should do as a human in my human capacities and what are the things I can outsource to AI? Uh, I keep coming back to Genesis and God's authority is one of the staples of Genesis. The fall in Genesis chapter three says uh, when the serpent is tempting Eve, tempts her with God's authority. Did God really say, right? So the authority of what God has actually said Satan will often tempt us with truth, right? To like not believe what God has said is true is true. And then in Genesis 3, a couple of verses later, verses 4 and 5, he says, you will not certainly die again. What God said isn't true. He's lying. So truth is the oldest trick in the book for Satan to attack is the idea of truth. For God, the oldest trick in the book. I didn't get one. Okay. Um, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. So what Satan is doing there is not only attacking God's truth, but he's attacking God's reputation and his authority and who he really is. Does he really have your best interest in mind? Because God knows that when you eat of it, you'll be like him, knowing good and evil. Now what Satan says isn't technically a lie. It's a twisting of the truth, which the best lies have a lot of truth in them and they just kind of twist it and malform it. Satan isn't that creative to come up with anything <laughs> genuinely new in and of himself. He just twists truth, right? Because they did know good and evil, but that wasn't God's plan for them. God's plan for the first humans in the garden was that he would teach them good and evil, but they reach out and take it for themselves. So instead of them trusting God's authority, they become the authority unto themselves. As John said, many are doing with AI now. Hey, we don't need God now. We don't need God's authority because we have this new source of authority. And ultimately, we become our own source of authority. Sometimes we outsource it to our technologies too, instead of from God as our authority. Okay, a couple other lenses of which to look at God's authority through Genesis 1.26. Remember, when God created everything, he created humanity in his image so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky. So God created us to rule over creation. That's the idea of stewardship, right? We are called to steward, rule over creation and steward it well. That's why, but only under God's authority, remember? <laughs> so what we want to do is make, as John talked about, make ourselves the authority, put ourselves in the place of God instead of God. And we tend to do that with AI now as well without remaining under the authority of God. So, but what we do see is that in this conversation of AI, that humans are to be stewards of creation and how one of the big conversations around AI is that it's, we don't know how it works and we may have just unleashed this on ourselves and now we have to regulate. And some are celebrating the loss of control, human control because of the potential advancement of humanity, right? But I think that goes against the scriptural principle of us being the authority of creation under God's authority. 
And so we have to maintain the boundaries, set the parameters of AI, and we can't let this get out of control. But that goes to those who are creating it, and none of us are actually, I think, creating AI. So maintaining control, ruling creation under God's authority. So that means God sets the definitions of what is right and wrong, and what is good and, and evil, and what we should and shouldn't do. And then we are to act that out and live it out under his authority. So how does that apply with AI? And then next, in Genesis 2.15, we see this idea of work. Work. One of the promises of technology is what Andy Crouch calls a quest for magic, right? Is that if we, this new advancement, AI is a great example as we're talking about today, that this new advancement will just make work a thing of the past, right? That we won't have to work as much we won't have to work without virtue. We can do our work without putting in the work to gain expertise and to actually become an authority on something. This is a mutation of what it means to be human, I think. That's where it goes outside of the bounds of it, the bounds of humanity, because work, according to Scripture, is good. God created work in the garden before the fall for us to do. And we will have work in the new creation to do. And so this concept of AI taking all of my work so that I can lay on the couch and do nothing all day, every day, and we'll create this utopian society like that, it's false, right? Get that, get that out of your head. That's nonsense, right? And there are some who are propagating that idea, but work is a good, okay? This is always the promise of technology, right? Like if, our, if we were to like transport, I'm sure there's a movie about this. There's probably tons of movies. We would transport our like great-great-grandparents to today, and they could come in here and say, look around and be like, oh my gosh, you guys have like fire that heats the house. Like, and you just, it automatically does it. Like you have a toilet right there <laughs> that you flush and it's gone. Like you can just go eat the, like a couple of doors down and buy it and they make it for you like that. Like, what do you do with your day? <laughs> right? Like you must be the freest person in the world. Right? And we're all like, actually, no. Like, we just have created more work and we are more stressed than ever. We're just, it just like pushes the envelope down the line a little bit. And so that has a good thing that we have to recognize is that work is good. Work is good. We will always have to work. And it will just be in what capacities are we as humans supposed to work and in what ways can we make the rote, mundane, tedious work, more efficient, easier. But work will never go away. Okay, so how do we apply this? One, especially on this issue of authority, which is already a problem, deep fakes and all of that stuff, we got to check our facts. And all of this, you guys, is going to be kind of in the umbrella of truth, honesty, truth-telling is so important for Christians. Okay? I think the... Some of, the, some of the lies that Christians have believed over the past eight to 10 years have really done damage to the church's reputation in the gospel. Okay, that a lot of churches went the QAnon route, okay, did a lot of damage to our reputation of saying like, hey, we believe Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, but we also believe all of this stuff. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That really does damage to you being an authority. Speaking for what you believe to be true as God's word. So we have to be careful about truth. Truth is so important and it is sourced ultimately in God. So we have to check our facts and that means avoiding hot takes, all right? <laughs> AI is gonna make this way worse where things are just gonna pop out really quick. Hot takes usually don't, don't pan out well. We just have a great example of this in the Hamas-Israel war, right? where a report came from Hamas saying that Israel attacked a hospital. And then it got promoted widely that Israel bombed a hospital. And then, oh, a couple of days later, we find out, oh, no, it was actually a misfire from a Hamas rocket that hit near a hospital, right? But if you've already presented that as a hot take, you've already convinced a lot of people of the evil of that action, right? So hot takes are already a problem. They're going to continue to be a problem and even worse. Because if AI generates some news report <laughs> that if we don't check and we don't wait to see what comes out of it, 
some of these false ideas and information warfare is going to run rampant. We got to find good sources. This is already a problem again that we just don't. We oftentimes, this, this goes with the loss of authority in our culture. Oftentimes for me to even say that I have a seminary degree is a negative because that means I'm just a part of the institutional man, right? That I, have, I don't think for myself, I've been given all of these ideas, right? That's a problem that's going to become even worse with AI. So we have to be finding good sources, going back to say, where did that come from? Because you can just type in ChatGPT and it'll pop an answer out without even having to indicate like this is the source that it got it from. And so it's going to be more important for us to search that out even further and do the hard work of discovering what is true and what isn't. Because authority is important. Then we have to avoid confirmation bias. Uh, avoiding confirmation bias, just wanting to believe what we believe, there's going to even be more answers and opportunities for us to believe whatever it is that we want to believe. Okay, so now this is, this stuff is hard work. This stuff is hard work. And I think this all falls under us stewarding creation and truth well under the authority of God. And it is hard work. Oftentimes, people will ask me very complicated theological questions, and I give them a complicated theological answer. And they're kind of like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, I didn't know it was that hard. I'm like, it is, right? Because it's a complicated question, and it's a complicated answer. But we want these simplified answers to very complex questions. We just want to know truth. But often when the truth is too complex for us, then we actually don't want to know the complex truth, <laughs> if we're honest with ourselves because it is so too much information for us to grasp. And so we have to process it based on values, right? Like when my son Shiloh was born, Savannah and I had so many different options out there for parenting, for birthing practices, for all of this stuff. And it was, it was overwhelming, completely overwhelming to even start. But this was really important, right? Like this is, this is our son that we're talking about here. So I put in the work. <laughs> we read books. We read articles, we listened to podcasts, we talked about it to figure out, I mean, this isn't even in like an absolute truth thing. This is like, what is the best approach that we think is most well-researched based on the authority of experts in that field? What's the consensus and why, right? So we, we did the hard work and we came up with the conclusion and the solution and we're constantly doing that. But the question is, like, we have to prioritize what we value and then make decisions based on those. What can I really dive into to learn that I have to know the truth about? And what are some things that I can say, I don't know? <laughs> and when it comes to, we, we're going to have to make those decisions because we can't just know everything we can, about everything. And AI is going to promise us that we can. We can't, right? We got to do the hard work of prioritizing and then choosing what is true. And then another example that Savannah and I ran into uh, just this last week, actually. So again, this is already a problem. ChatGPT is going to make it way worse. All AI is going to make it worse. Savannah found online this Instagram reel that said, um, the name for God, El Shaddai, is referring to the feminine nature of God. Uh, El means God. Shaddai is from the word shad, which means breasts or teats or whatever. And so she's like, John, is that true? Right? She came to me because this is something I've studied before and I have the resources and the authority to actually go like, search this out. But Instagram doesn't tell you all of the information. They just give you that one snippet and say, here's the truth. Right? So she came to me and we looked it up. I looked it up in my Bible software and went through it and everything and I found, oh, there's actually a lot of disagreement about this. Like that is one option, but it is the least likely option. Because it could be from El Shad, which means breast, or it could be from the word Shaddad, which is an ancient, we're talking about yeah, ancient Hebrew language and how it correlates with all the other languages of the day, which is quite complicated, right? Shaddad means to overpower. Those are very different meanings, right? <laughs> Shad, uh, a feminine uh, breastfeeding type term, or Shaddad, to overpower. So which one is it and how do we know what's true? Well, we look at context and see how it's used. So we looked at all the different times and places that it's used throughout the Old Testament. 
And there are a number that it could be either one based on the context, but there are two specifically, Isaiah 13.6 and Joel 1.13, that can only really be used in the to overpower sense. So what that means is that's the, least likely, that's the less likely option. That is most likely God Almighty as it's translated in all of our Bibles, right? But if you just take that Instagram reel and say like, oh, that must be true. <laughs> See how that is going to cause more problems. And ChatGPT actually did a really good job on this. I typed it in there, and it did great. I said, this is the most likely option, but there is some dispute about it. Okay. So next, trust God and Scripture as our ultimate authority. Check AI with other expert consensus. This is going to be tough. We have to do this stuff, and we have to steward our technology responsibly. I've already talked through a lot of that stuff. Again, the virtue that we have an opportunity to live in as Christians is wisdom. We can present a wise approach to this, a patient, wise approach. And the psalm, um, yeah, I'm blanking on the reference. Uh, the, be- the, fear, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? And so understanding God's authority as our creator, sustainer, is where wisdom starts. Recognizing that we are created by him to steward creation is where it has to begin. Okay. Next, faithful presence. Uh, opportunities, what scriptures say, how do we apply it? Faithful presence. Okay, so we already have a loneliness epidemic <laughs> in our culture and in our world. I think AI and the promise of immediate friendship, again, this is me hypothesizing, um, but I think it's based on social media over the last few years of the promise of social media saying like, oh, we'll be all connected. The promise of smartphones, the promise of all these different apps to say that we can connect everybody together so easily, so efficiently and how it's led to more loneliness, more anxiety. I think it's, I think it's an educated hypothesis to say that AI and the promise of it will only lead to more loneliness. Okay. In the American Psychological Association study, they found that employees who frequently interact with artificial intelligence systems are more likely to experience loneliness that can lead to insomnia and increased after-work drinking. Okay. So, <laughs> I think we have a real opportunity to represent faithful presence to the world. And as we were talking about before, I created a, a little example of... Uh, okay, so the one on the... Oh, did I give it away? Okay. Which one is the actual Van Gogh's Starry Night? Concur? Yes, the one on the right. Okay. Uh, So Van Gogh uh, painted this. It's one of the most famous paintings in the history of the world, right? Um, I recreated it with AI in 0.6 seconds, right? (laughs) I typed it in, and it just put that out. But... I think what's going to happen, again, hypothesizing, and what we've been talking about, John, John's example of Walmart and then the downtown like, example, I think what's going to happen with AI is we're going to crave the genuine and the real and the real presence as this becomes more and more prevalent because knowing the story, it's, like, it's not just the fact that the painting looks similar. Like, who cares, right? Especially if you know that it only took me 30 seconds to write the, to create a prompt that did this on AI. But it's the story behind it. Van Gogh was in a, an asylum when he painted this. He checked himself in for mental illness. And this was his view out the window that he looked out. And how he uses yellow. Yellow represents like light and life for him. And the dark and the darker colors represent the, the dark areas of society. And you'll notice where he was at in his mental state when you see the church, which is at the, the middle of the painting, the church is all dark. <laughs> There's no yellow in the windows of the church. So you see how that's like, it's his emotion. It's his state of mind that is coming out and is on display in that painting. But the one on the left, AI regenerated it and they put lights in the church. <laughs> I did this in Canva in five seconds, right? It's terrible at meaning. AI doesn't do meaning. You get meaning in real presence with each other, in real human-to-human interaction. (laughs) So this was my second go at this. I started with um, (laughs) Michelangelo's creation of Adam, 
Right? I tried to do that one first because that was just the first one that popped into my head. Because um, again, he, he painted that thing like laying down on scaffolding, right? Under the Sistine Chapel for, I think it took him four years. It's insane. Um, <laughs> AI was terrible at it. So here's some of my uh, screw-ups. This one's my favorite, actually. Okay. I just I typed in like recreate creation of Adam. And uh, <laughs> so one, like again, to the safeguards point, like some of them said like, I, we can't produce these because of like inappropriate content. And I'm like, oh, good job, Canva. So there are still safeguards being put in there, probably because Adam's naked and they don't want to show his penis, right? Um, so Savannah actually blotted that out. But this one went through because it didn't, he was like neutered Adam. But it's like buff baby Adam with awesome hair. I love it. <laughs> this is hilarious. <laughs> Also, God has like four legs. So what? And he's sleeping. Why is he sleeping? I don't understand. <laughs> and then here's another one that it produced, which again, maybe it's taking in our like modern feminist ideas of like Adam's dead. Apparently, I don't know. And like Eve is the one reaching out and grabbing his hands. We're in the actual painting. Eve is on the other side. I don't know. And then on this one, like, what happened to God? And again, Adam was neutered, but Savannah still put a black thing over there. Um, <laughs> like, God is just like hands and fingers. Like, what is going on with the hands and fingers? They have a lot of work to do with that stuff. AI didn't do a great job. My favorite part of this is Adam's face. <laughs> He's like confused, scared, all of the above. Nobody knows. So, yeah, and it's not surprising that AI is going to struggle to actually do, like, emotion and to communicate that on a picture, right? All right, so, faithful presence, uh, Genesis 3, 8 through 10. This is one of the saddest pictures in all of Scripture. Man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. God is walking with them. They're, his presence is available to them and they're together in this space of Eden. God's there and they hide from him, which is what sin, which leads to shame, always does to us, is it leads us to hide from God. But the Lord God called to the man and God still reaches out to us. Where are you? He, said, he answered, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Right? Shame and hiding from the presence of God. Sin isolates. Sin causes us to hide from the presence of God and from the presence of others. Instead of bringing things into the light and being genuine and true with other people, sin, the promise, of, uh, or I should say the curse of sin, leads us to isolate from God and leads us to hide, keep secrets from God and from others. And in those secrets, when we're alone and isolated, shame just festers like a, cult, like a culture in an incubator. Genesis 2.18, the Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. <laughs> we have to trust these things are true and give our genuine, faithful presence to one another. So we have to appreciate that we are created in the image of God. Prioritize an embodied church experience. This is where we have such an opportunity, church. And this is why, like, we didn't invest a ton in technology to broadcast and promote our services out there. And this is just a, this is an our culture decision. Other churches can do that, and that's fine. But we want to value faithful presence because I think, again, hypothesizing, as our culture moves more and more online, more and more digital, we'll have kind of the COVID effect. It was like, oh, cool, like, we can all do Zoom now. A, little, a couple months in, we're like, I hate Zoom. This stinks. I'm exhausted from being on a Zoom meeting. I'd rather just like have a cup of coffee with somebody and sit down face to face. We need this. We need to prioritize embodied church community together because we're made for this human to human connection and interaction. The promise of AI, as is the promise of social media, that we can be connected all of the time and therefore that will fill our need for community and our need to be in relationship with one another is going to be found to be second rate at best, inadequate. And so we need this. We need to engage in these genuine interactions with one another. And the associated virtue here is love. 
I think it was the second scenario that we talked about on there about having an AI friend. Um, it doesn't teach us to love, right? If we can create a perfect friend that does everything for us or that never offends us, that never lets us down, you'll never learn to love because <laughs> that's what love is. It's learning how to still be there and to love and to care for people who are imperfect. There's no grace. There's no forgiveness needed. It's messy. It's inconvenient. But I think we're created for real presence. And we have to fight for that. And show a culture that's going to be intoxicated by artificial intelligence friends, boyfriends, girlfriends, whatever, that real presence is messier, but it's better. Because it's a part of our humanity. Finally, God's sovereignty. Some of the opportunities that we encounter. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of people afraid of what's going to happen in their workplace. Uh, the Stephen Hawking quote is a very doomsday quote. <laughs> right? A lot of anxiety around this. There's a lot of hopelessness. Again, it's going to be complex. There's, we don't know where this is going. What happens if AI gets out of control? We all have seen movies about AI taking over, which again, I'm, Will Smith is in all of these movies. He has a, he has a knack. Maybe he, yeah, I don't know. All right. <clears throat> God's sovereignty is so important for us to keep in mind to bring into this conversation. God's still on the throne. <laughs> He's not going to lose control of this. We know how the story goes. He's the creator, the sustainer of all things. We really undermine how he is at work in the world around us all the time. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Revelation 21.5, he who seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. God created it, God will recreate it in the end. Our hope is in him, not in technology or a secular utopian vision. Okay, this is Job 38. Read it, I'd encourage you to, especially when you're feeling overwhelmed with this topic. I've put my phone down somewhere and don't know where it is. I had it open to Job 38 in order to read it. Ah, I'll squint. Okay. <laughs> but this is so good. At the end of it, this is one of the best chapters on God's overall sovereignty in all of Scripture. Basically, God is challenging Job and he says, brace yourself like a man and I will question you and you will answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Who marked off its dimensions? He says, surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstones? With the morning star, while the morning star sang together and all the angels shout for joy. Who shut up the sea before the doors when it burst forth? That's the whole thing. It's just like, hey, Job, did you do this? Job, Job did, were you the one all powerful enough to do all of this stuff? It's like, and he ends with, I got this. Like, I'm God, you're not. And so we have to know that God is God when we are not. Hey, I can't hold a candle to God. And so we can live with a non-anxious presence and surrender. There's been a lot of books written, so, uh, uh, golly, what's his name? Mark Sayers, he wrote a book called The Non-Anxious Presence. He's been talking about it a lot, a lot of podcasts. Because a lot of the folks that he's encountering and seeing in culture with all this new technology and all the unsettled uh, states of the world, a lot of people are living in anxiety. Anxiety is on the rise and has been for a while. And so we as Christians have opportunity to live in a non-anxious presence because we can trust in the sovereignty of God, even in the midst of this technological advancement that a lot of people are predicting could be a doomsday scenario. But in order to live with a non-anxious presence, um, yeah, anyways, we need to spend time with God. <laughs> we need to abide in him. Because when we go about our day at work, we're bombarded with all of this technological advancements, these uncertainties, these big decisions that we don't know the answers to, these questions that nobody knows where it's going, what is going to happen the only way to live with a non-anxious presence and to know and recognize the sovereignty of God is to sit and spend time with God. Otherwise, you will, you're, you will just run. The stream of culture will just take you down. 
that river <laughs> until you sit and spend time with God. And you can zoom out and get the big perspective of who God is and what he is doing. And we can rejoice in our future hope that God is going to make all things new. We can still have hope that no matter how dark this gets, no matter how much we don't trust Elon Musk's ethical boundaries <laughs> in creating this stuff, God is greater. God is still on the throne. He's not threatened. He's not scared. And so we can have hope and we can be people of hope when the rest of the world is living in anxiety and fear and worry and be people of faith. It's not that we won't experience anxiety. It's not that we won't experience doubt or fear. We will, but when that happens, we can counter it with faith. Faith is how we live in this now, that virtue of trusting that God is sovereign even when it seems like the world is out of control. And in this, we have a real opportunity to represent Christ, to be people of hope, to be people of faith and trust. All right, that's all I got for you guys. Any questions? You guys want to talk? Any? Let me see. I got to think of some. I didn't think of any specific questions, but <clears throat> is there anything? Um, gosh, any specific um, conversations that you've had or situations that you've run into where you've talked to somebody who's really anxious about this, who's really fearful, who's really worried? Perhaps you are, and. We can kind of reason through the scriptures together and reason through uh, what God has to say together about how to approach this with a lens and an eye towards God's faithfulness, God's goodness. So um, I've heard um, some people, experts on AI, talk about what it's going to become in the future. Um, about it, um, its intelligence related to us is going to be like our intelligence related to a dog. Um, and my thinking about this is um, the more capable that this technology becomes, the less it's going to feel like a tool and the more it's going to feel like something much more powerful than we can have control over. And as I think about this theologically and our calling to, um, to rule and to reign, um, to be God's image in the world, we, that means we have responsibility. Mm -hmm. And I wonder where, uh, where the line is between some people who talk about AI, they talk about it like um, AI as a genie, or it's like the you tell AI what to do and it does it for you, mm -hmm. and then there's AI as a sovereign. Mm -hmm. And when AI starts to become that intelligent, the temptation is going to be that we start to give it control. And it's going to be tempting for people because of how immensely intelligent this thing's going to get. Um, where do we draw the line? Because it's going to become, if you know, if the the promises are true, it's like mm -hmm. cure cancer and all the stuff it's supposed to do. Where do we? And I know. Sorry, this seems like an impossibly mm -hmm. hard question to answer, but. Yeah, yeah. Where do we draw the line between um, what, at one point, does this stop becoming a tool mm -hmm. and this becomes God in some sense? <laughs> a, uh, um, it's making the shots. It's calling the shots. It's telling us what to do. We're not telling it what to do. Mm -hmm. um, do you worry about this? Have you given any thought to this? Do you know anyone who's given thought to this? Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do, honestly. And I think a lot of, uh, I don't have a lot of hope in our secular culture putting the appropriate parameters around it to not let it run wild. Um, but I do have hope for the church to recognize our position as stewards of God's creation and to set parameters around it. 
So like the, the most effective and the best uses that I've encountered with it is like, uh, uh, I'm, forgetting the, I'm forgetting the website or the reference, but where they'll take a number of resources that are like open sourced, but in a confined boundary and say like, this is, this is a, a, the reformed AI, right? So it's like, we're asking Charles Spurgeon, we're asking like curated John Piper's, Charles Spurgeon's information, and then like, these are the answers that it's pulling from, right? I don't have a lot of hope that Elon Musk is going to do that. Um, and so what that means for all AI, I don't know, and how we can engage with certain aspects of it or others. Um, I don't know if there's going to be like a dark web of AI, right? I'm sure there will be in some capacity. Um, but for what we choose to engage with as Christians, I think we have to be really responsible in how we choose to engage with the ones that have appropriate boundaries in place because we are stewards over God's creation, if that answers anything. But again, like if one person does it, like I don't know what that means for all of AI and everywhere. That's kind of the, that's kind of the skeptical part that I don't really know enough about. But yeah, I don't know if that really even answers your question, but I tried. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Something? Yes, go. One of the passages I found most helpful in scripture is Daniel chapter two. Mm. In Daniel chapter 2, he is faced with an unimaginable, unpredictable power in Nebuchadnezzar who said to all the, people, all the wise men, you not only have to tell me what my dream meant, you have to tell me what the dream was. Mm-hmm. No one had ever asked a wise man or, mm-hmm. or soothsayer or whatever to do that before. And Daniel's response is he tried to understand the situation. He went immediately to prayer. Mm-hmm. And then what God told him to do, he did it, right? Mm-hmm. And I think his modeling of how he responded to that mm-hmm. unimaginably uncontrollable power of Nebuchadnezzar, I think is a really, really mm-hmm. cool way for yeah. us to kind of do the same when we're faced yeah. with AI. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. And you mentioning Daniel brought this up too. And like, like one, I think you're absolutely right. So in Daniel and in Nehemiah, like, first thing they do is pray. Like they just go to prayer. That's where we have to live as Christians in this changing cultural scenario. And uh, Babylon was the most powerful nation, one of the most powerful nations in the world at the time. They were like the AI scenario of like, they're going to take over everything and like ruin the entire world. Where's Babylon now, right? And even Rome in Jesus' day, like Daniel even has a vision of like all these different kingdoms, right? And then a little stone comes and like strikes it and the whole thing crumbles. And that stone is Jesus, the gospel. And so God has ways of, God has ways of dealing with these things. Um, and when they seem so out of control, so big, like Rome in that day or Babylon, and God has, God has ways. I don't see it and I don't think we will but I think we can trust that he will. Um, just speaking to more of the, the concerns or, or stress that come with this in the future, I certainly don't have even a solid opinion on this topic, but the one I hear pretty commonly is people trying to get mentally prepared, but also try to figure out how to navigate the next couple of generations to come on like how do we I don't have kids but if I have to raise a family at some point who from the day they're born are going to be exposed to AI we have the benefit of like already having a world view that we can kind of understand Mm -hmm. AI through or with Mm -hmm. or compare and all that I, I think raising someone from scratch to identify these differences. I, I feel like that's a source of stress for a lot of people. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And Jay mentioned it too, of how he's like, I think Jay mentioned at our table how he's glad to be a 90s kid because like we grew up before the internet and social media was super prevalent. Like the internet was accessible, but not on a personal device when I was a kid. It was on the computer, like in the office, right? Um, so that changed how we used it. Like we didn't have Netflix. Right, so like my kids now, they can, we can all be on our own devices watching our own thing. Back then we had to like all decide what we were going to watch on like program television, right? So we had to like suffer together to watch something, right? 
and we had the bunny ears, all of this stuff. So like, as all of these technologies continue to advance, I think of it through that lens of like, I'm going to be like my parents to my kids now, where like my mom will call me and, and ask like, John, like my phone's doing this thing and I don't know what to do. And I'm like, mom, turn it off and on, right? That I'm going to, my kids are going to have those conversations with me and it's going to be backwards, right? With AI of like, I'm going to be like, Shiloh, what are you talking about? I don't even know what this is, right? And he's going to have to teach me all this stuff. So um, that, that I think is, is a, I, I try to think of it from that historical lens of like we've had major shifts. Um, the problem is they're shifting so fast that this is all going to happen in, in you know, less than a generation. This is going to be prevalent. Like everyone's going to have access to AI and my kids are going to have to figure it out as I do. And then, yeah. So I think, I think this, the key is just maintaining biblical faithfulness and knowing, knowing these unchanging truths and constants and how they apply to all of the changing aspects of the world. So like we have to have a sure foundation and to build our ethical disciplines on those, our wisdom disciplines on those that, yeah, it's not easy, but I'm longing for the day when Shiloh gets to embarrass me. <laughs> Dad, you can't believe you don't know this. Yeah. There, there's to some extent of, of faith in humanity that it was brought up at our table earlier on the same topic of of growing up with or mm -hmm. without something and there being almost a generational gap right now with, with kids and like Snapchat that mm -hmm. a half a generation ago, if, if your kid didn't have Snapchat, they didn't have friends. Right. And today there's been a, uh, this drives the faith in humanity going forward is that today there are factions of parents who look at that situation and say, we're just not gonna have it. We're just mm -hmm. not gonna allow that to be the scenario for mm -hmm. our kid to grow up in. They're going to have friends. They're going to be <clears throat> treated like we were as kids and allowed to run around in the neighborhood mm -hmm. without really knowing where they are, but trusting in your neighbors that they're there and this, you know, looking out for them and, and mm -hmm. applying the same type of, of risk, reward, experience, learning that we that we all grew up with mm -hmm. at some point in our lives. That that's the that's the hope, right? Yeah. In in the faith in humanity that we can create that same type of mm -hmm. environment going forward, regardless of what the technology is that's around us. Yeah. Yeah. I forget who said it. Um, but what I always come back to on that, on that topic is there's, we think of, we tend to think of history, especially in, <laughs> especially if you come from a like dispensational, uh, end times theology, Christian worldview, we tend to think of history as like a, like a, it's a slow decline into like, destruction or whatever. Um, yeah, and I think of all the like comic books of Left Behind and stuff of like all the screaming faces. Like that, that's the images that were imprinted on my mind. But somebody, somebody mentioned this, and I don't remember who, but they said think of history as far less of just like a, like a slow decay and more of like a, it's a sine cosine curve. Like it just, like we have renewal. We'll have seasons of, we'll have seasons where, uh, Immorality runs wild, right? And decay, social, moral decay. But then there's renewal, great revivals, right? Uh, the Reformation, right? The church was really dark in the, 16th, in the 15th century. And then the 16th century, we had the Protestant Reformation and renewal, revival. Like it's, it's constant, right? And the same with these cultural values, I think. Like a lot of like, parents are realizing like, hey, we're starting to approach social media wiser, I think, because we're seeing the results of a lot of these things and what it does on mental health and stuff like that. Oh, and I need to answer Ian's question. Ian asked me, like, how much do I use AI in prepping sermons and stuff? And I meant to explain it in my talk, but, like, um, I use it as, like, a, a faster Google at this point simply because of that. Like, I don't want to... Like if I need to like look something up that I would have normally typed into Google, I'll type it into ChatGPT or something just to see what it says. I'll play around with it. So like after my, just jokingly, I asked it to write me a sermon on freedom, which I preached on last week, in the voice of Joel Osteen. And then I asked it to write me one in the voice of um, uh, Charles Spurgeon. And then to write me one in the voice of Stephen Furtick. And it was very funny. The differences were obvious, and it did a great job. It was hilarious. 
So I'll play around with it with stuff like that or just like ask some questions that I would have Googled otherwise, like what is humanism? And it, I have a fuzzy framework of it. And I'm like, I need some specifics to direct me to to go find the actual source and stuff. So um, that's kind of how I use it right now. And in part because I, like there's, a, there's an element of preaching and the Sunday gathering that's not just, it's not just information exchange, right? It's, in the devotional time, it's not just information exchange. There's something spiritual going on there. Um, and so I don't want to discount that and how the Holy Spirit can speak to me of what to speak to the congregation, even through a devotional writing. What the Holy Spirit can speak in a congregational setting and in my preparation time where he can bring something to mind. Like I, I, I don't want to... I don't want to just outsource that, kind of. So hopefully I'll find ways to like speed up my process, but um, using that, but never outsource it. So, Lord, God, we, uh, as I prayed earlier, we have a lot of uncertainty, um, a lot of doubts, a lot of fears, a lot of worries represented here, a lot of just big decisions that need to be made in companies and in organizations on uh, Lord staffing questions on um, these human issues. Lord, would you give us wisdom? Lord, draw us more and more into your presence. Lord, to seek wisdom from you. Holy Spirit, would you guide us as we're seeing uh, massive changes very quickly Lord, more than ever, we need to be rooted in you. We need to be grounded in the truth of Scripture as our ultimate authority. And Lord, who you say we are, we need to adopt those truths of humanity. We need to, we need to live in, Lord, your sovereignty, the peace that comes from you. And Lord, would the church look more glorious in this time? Pray that we would represent the light of Christ so well. Lord, that we would be a non-anxious presence in the midst of anxiety and fear and worry. Um, Lord, that we would be people who demonstrate what genuine love looks like in a culture where they say we can have all the benefits of relationships without any of the cost. Lord, give us genuine love for one another. So Lord, just pray your blessing over our congregation, those who are here. Lord, that you would just work, draw them into your presence. Lord, you are our hope. Fill us with faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.